Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santo, joined, as always, by the carnage to my venom. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? It's because I'm red, isn't it? Yep, it was 100% because you have red hair. <laughs> and our very, own, <laughs> our very own Craven the Hunter. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how you doing? <laughs> I like how you, you had really a... hairy shoulders. Yeah, and... Uh... <laughs> I, but did you want to be Morbius the living vampire? Well, I mean, you, you're you going like you went from Venom to another symbiote to then like the hunter guy. from I actually Russia. I actually wanted to do all ones that were getting made into movies by Sony. That, oh. that, was, my, that was my goal. What so, are they making a Craven movie? Yep. It's in yeah. pre-production. Oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm so you in. Reaction. Yes, you're so, exactly. You're, all right so i hope uh, like someone really dumb like chris jericho is playing him (laughs) that would be uh that would be incredible so yeah i would be into that all right so it's training camp time there's no preseason games so it's uh you have to go over the uh the tweets the videos the pictures although the seahawks have disallowed any more pictures or videos from the uh the beat reporters which is somebody somebody posted something we're supposed to (laughs) yeah this is like amazing they can only show stretching now um but they you can still watch the drills on the um q13 live streams and stuff so i don't really know what what the um what the point of that is i guess they can control where those cameras are though i have Um, a question yeah does our does our extremely fast wide receiver course stretching the defense count I uh, got him. All right. So what I've done is I've sifted through some tweets uh, for you guys. I'm going to I picked five storylines that are dominating training camp right now. And I'm going to ask you guys about a little uh, little buy or sell for each of them. Some of, some of them have multiple buying or sellings and some of them just have one. All these tweets came from uh, Michael Sean Duggar, Brady Henderson, Joe Fan, Bob Condotta, Corbin Smith and Aaron Levine. The like the beat guys, right? The guys who go to are on the beat and go to the uh training camp and stuff so those so all these tweets come from those guys you should follow those guys all on twitter oh wait one more person too uh the guy who writes for spi uh, ben arthur i i him too i i got some of his tweets too so those those are all guys that um you should follow you should be following all those guys if you're a fan of the seahawks because those are the guys that are at the training camp they can give you the little crumbs that we need right now to get to get us through these times yeah, those, right those little nuggets of information all right so the first training camp story jamal adams locked in but greg williams is stirring the pot so um so first uh we had a these are the the tweets i i put in for this a seahawks head coach pete carroll's response to jets defensive coordinator greg allen's greg williams saying jamal adams might get bored playing in seattle's scheme pete said we don't make as many mistakes as they do (laughs) which is a a plus response uh, but then Jamal Adams made a couple of big plays. Uh, so we have this tweet. Uh, Jamal Adams just intercepted Russell Wilson over the middle on the first rep of a red zone team drill. Adams gets his first splash, big splash play of the camp. And then Jamal Adams just burst through to stop Chris Carson for a big loss to loud cheers of defense. Keeps making plays. So here's my question. Buying or selling? Jamal Adams is primed up for a season this year as an all first team all pro. Kevin, what do you think? Uh, I'm in. I think that this is uh, a position on the Seahawks defense that we saw Camp Chancellor make Pro Bowls from. Uh, This is a position where you can be a playmaker in the box, both in the passing game and the run game. And you can make those big highlight reel type plays like Jamal Adams is athletic and he's a guy who can get his hands to the ball, but he's also a hitter. And so that means that he's going to get his name in the press in a way that is what you need in order to get those types of 
postseason recognitions. Um, the other part of it is that he's had success already in his career. And if you want to be a pro bowler and all pro, um, the best way to do that is to have been a pro bowler and all pro. Yeah, that's that's 100 percent true. The fact that he made all pro last year is going to help him make all pro this year. Uh, but first team, not second team. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I, I've set the bar very high for Jamal on this one. Eric. Are you buying or selling Jamal Adams? Oh, I'm totally buying it. Uh, look at Jamal Adams' tape, and you'll see how much he hides himself in the defense. This is a an intimidating player, not in the way you think of Cam Chancellor, a different way of intimidation. And he slips in between players, his own players, uh, other routes. It's really amazing watching this guy. As you said, he's already coming from a point of success. If you're going to step it up, it's going to be because you're going to be in a better system that works better for you and is just better in general, New York Jets. So, uh, yeah, buying 100%. Uh, right. Also, also, I'm buying Sassy P. Carroll. Sassy <laughs> P. Carroll's my favorite P. Carroll. Yeah, he's, he's definitely uh, came, af- came right after Greg Williams uh, when Greg Williams tried to, to do it. You yeah, can tell, right. he, he, showed you can tell his... he doesn't take him seriously because he actually responded. Because anyone yeah. takes seriously, he just would like kind of give a non-response. We play the Jets this year, too. He showed wow. his uh, top hat just a little bit there. So. <laughs> All right, Quentin Dunbar is free. All right, so I got some Quentin Dunbar tweets. Quentin Dunbar walks on for his third practice with the Seahawks. Pete Carroll says they are going to ease in their new CB. He's going to be full go on the starting defense this Thursday or Friday. His first few minutes of a Seahawks practice, Quentin Dunbar got hands-on teaching by Pete Carroll on the coach's unique step-kick technique he demands of cornerbacks. And Carroll said, third tweet, Carroll said, Quentin Dunbar already knows much of the Seahawks terminology and cornerback technique from the work he's done with former Seahawk assistant Marquand Manuel. Eric Gronebeck, buying or selling, Quentin Dunbar is your week one starter at outside cornerback. Uh, I'm buying that. Having said that, I think that it will take a two-week period for Quentin Dunbar to show his lockdown potential. I think there's going to be a little growing pains there. But he will start week one. All right, Kevin, do you think uh, Quentin Dunbar starts in uh, week one? Uh, I think the most likely scenario in which he doesn't start at outside corner is if he does start at nickel corner because Trey Flowers beats out Marquise Blair. So I think that Ah. so for that reason, I'm going to go with Dunbar as the number one because I think he's going to earn a starting gig. I think without the preseason, he doesn't start week one. He, wow. he gets eased in for like half the snaps and then week two, he's the start. He's the starter after he kind of has a week to, to ease his way in. But I really think that no preseason so, hurts him here. So I'm going to push you on this. So who do you think plays more snaps week one? Quentin Trey Dunbar Fla- or Trey Flowers? Trey Flowers. Okay. Uh, and I, another thing too is I think Trey, they're going to start, they're going to start, uh, pushing him to be like a hybrid safety too, like a guy who can play multiple positions and he'll, he'll start to find his way on the field in, in weird ways because he is talented. You know, he's a talented football player and I could totally see him playing, uh, some outside corner, some nickel corner, some, some, uh, some box safety, you know, like just getting him on the field in interesting ways. There's a the lot Deshaun of shed role. There's a, yes, the, there's a lot of secondary talent on this team right now. And so I'm, that's something that really excites me is that like between Flowers, Griffin, Dunbar, Blair, Adams, uh, Diggs, these guys all can really play. Like they can all really play. And so, so maybe Flowers finds himself at the odd man out, but I just think week one is not that week just because he's familiar with the system. All right, you guys. You guys ready to get on the hype train? Chugga, 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 chugga. <laughs> Cody Thompson hype train. I don't know if you guys have heard, but Cody Thompson – has having 
the training camp of a lifetime. And this is not, uh, since we don't have preseason games, this is all we have. So here's some tweets about Cody Thompson. An under-the-radar Seahawk to keep an eye on this month is Cody Thompson, a second-year receiver from Toledo. He's been hard to miss over the first week of camp and had another handful of catches today as he seemed to get a lot of work with David Moore not practicing. Wide receiver Cody Thompson, the second tweet, wide receiver Cody Thompson, who was on the practice squad last year, has been really solid in all practices so far. That was actually from, uh, that's Pete said that. Wide receiver death has been a potential issue with the Seahawks. May need to keep a close eye on the former Toledo standout. Carillon wide receiver Cody Thompson, really consistent, great route runner, big catches and clutch situation in cap practice. 100% part of the competition right now. Carol says free agent Cody Thompson is off to a really good start. Thompson has consistently made plays the first few days, but worth noting, Defensive backs are told not to make plays on the ball, so receivers often jump out at this stage of camp. Still, Thompson is one to watch. So you're buying or selling this statement. Cody Thompson is just another case in Williams. Kevin, what do you think? Uh, I'm looking for – I actually did a draft write-up for him. Was he the 2018 draft or the 2019 <clears throat> draft? I think he was 2018. He was two years ago. So last year he was undrafted free agent from Can- for the Kansas City Chiefs. He was cut pretty early on. We got him on our practice squad. Uh at the in the middle of last year and then he now he's back now he's back obviously and um i'm gonna give you guys some mock draftable stats because i think that that's a, a fun way to look at this uh, his percentile ranks among wide receivers so some interesting ones he is an 84th percentile vertical jump a 90th ver- percentile 20 yard shuttle an 84th percentile bench press 60th percentile 60 yard shuttle 64th percentile three cone drill so he's got good explosiveness stats his 40 yard dash stunk 4.57 which probably knocked him out of the draft, but his other stuff is actually pretty good. And we've seen before there are um, players that can run slower uh, 40s that could still be successful in the NFL. Um, One of his top comparable on mock draftables is Deshaun Hamilton, which I think is totally fair. Um, But so uh, now that I've said that, Kevin, did you dig up your draft profile? I did dig up my draft profile for him. What what do you got? Go for Uh, it. So Cody Thompson is a guy who was a – Position alteration during his college career. Sorry, just a second. Okay. Oh, man. Uh, stats. Sorry. Uh, he was a position alteration during his college career, and he's one of those guys who's just like straight up athlete. Um, he was able to win a lot in college because uh, he's got uh, 38 and a half on the vertical, 119 on the broad, um, sub seven three cone. So he's got the athletic profile that we typically look for, except like you said, that four five seven forty. So I think that he and is... he runs good. And I read some college, uh, like the, the the draft network has four scouting profiles on him. They all say that he runs good routes. Yep. So uh, good routes, good balance through and after contact. Um, now the thing I will say is what we just described is the exact kind of player who has been that preseason darling that doesn't make the roster. So with that being said, I think that he is destined for the practice squad or a cut in some way, shape or form. Yeah. He's a, he's, he's a preseason darling right now. He really is looking good. The long speed is bad, which is the the one thing. Um, Eric, what do you think? Do you think Cody Thompson is the, the case in Williams, the the, the lovable guy that gets cut (laughs) or is he, is he something more? You can take the games out the preseason, but you can't take the preseason out the preseason. That's 100% the guy that we are like, ooh, what's this guy going to do? And he'll do nothing. Uh, I still think it's a shock that John Ursua made the roster last year. Uh, in in some ways, he was the preseason darling, but you expected more. When he did see the field, it was for like three snaps. 
this guy has a very a much smaller chance of making this roster and uh like kevin said i look forward to seeing him on the practice team and once you're on the practice team you can earn a roster spot if you are truly that awesome i think cody thompson is ahead of john ursua right now for the last uh, wide receiver roster whoa especially if Moore can't get healthy um is it because vers- he plays outside receiver? It's versatile. He can play inside. He can play slot and outside receiver, which is, is something that Ursua just can't do. Which what Ursua about a pure slot guy? What about Pete not really trusting uh, young receivers? And I know this you're going to say, what about DK Metcalf? He was young. DK Metcalf came in with a lot more height. DK Metcalf is has the athletic profile of Julio Jones. Exactly. It's like not a fair comparison. No, I just, but no, but I wanted to nip that in the bud before you said it. Like, I would um, say this is more like a Malik Turner thing because he spent a year on a practice squad, including our practice squad. So it is a little bit different if he's being trusted for the last wide receiver spot. Yeah, I think that this, he's he's close. He's on the fringe. I think he's better than Cason Williams. Um, if we were in a situation we were like five years ago where Jermaine Curse was our number two wide receiver, I'd say this guy's definitely making the roster. But at this point, it's um, it's it's close, right? Uh, so. That I don't know. That's a tough one. This is a tough one. I, I guess I'm I'm selling it, but just barely. <laughs> yeah, that's where uh, I'm at. Uh, all right, here we go. Offensive line starters: uh, Dwayne Brown, Brandon Shell, and Damian Lewis seem locked in. The left guard and center positions are up for grabs. We've got Posich versus Finney and Eupati versus Haynes and Simmons. Uh, here's some some tweets. Uh, Pete Carroll says Brandon Shell might be his favorite acquisition because he looks the part. And I'm gonna tell you, looks the part is a huge compliment from. From Pete Carroll. You ready to hear other players recently? He said looks the part about. Oh, no. Shaquille Griffin, DK Metcalf, and Jordan Brooks. Those okay, are lo- they all. Those... It... Wow. Uh, like looks the part of a Greek god? Looks the part. <laughs> looks the part is a. Uh, that is like Pete Carroll basically. That's way better than uh, he has a thing. No, that's definitely. That's an endorsement <laughs> of the position. But it's as sure thing as he's got a thing. When, okay. you, when he says he's got a thing, you know what he's talking about. And here, you know what he's talking about. Right. Which means Brandon Shell might be kind of good. And then Pete says the competition at center is wide open between BJ Finney, Ethan Posich, and Kyle Fuller. Wants to get that sorted out sooner than later. But yeah, this is a Mike. You can tell us a Mike Duggar tweet. Yeah. Always compete and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, so I have three buying or sellings right now. You ready? This okay. is three, three offensive line. Buy or sells. Uh, first, Shell has already won the right tackle job. Eric, I'm buying that. Uh, we picked up Shell. There was uh, like, oh, we got another body. This will be pretty cool. And then when we started looking over him on this podcast, just a little bit, it seemed like okay, this guy has a chance at the roster, and not just a chance, but a a, a likely starting role. So I'm buying that. Yeah. I think we 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 agreed when we watched the tape that the baseline was Fetty without penalties. Correct. Yep. Uh, which a Fetty without penalties is is awesome. Fine. Uh, so, uh, Kevin, uh, what do you it's think? It's a strong buy. I think um, not only is it a buy because he's a Fetty without penalties, but to say exactly what that means, um, a Fetty, gigantic human being. Brandon Shell, exactly the same level of gigantic. Like, he's one of those people who just stands in a doorway and no one can get by. Um, which enormous human being is a thing that both Pete as well as our line coach, uh, Mike Solari really value in linemen, especially on that right side. So I think he's kind of the, like the prototypical right tackle that the Seahawks want. And so for that reason, I think he's a better fit because the two other guys fighting for the position are a little bit lighter 
both uh, Cedric is get, is a little closer to like 315, and um, Jamarco is uh, under 300 pounds. So I think Brandon Shell is not only the guy that they want to win the job, but he's also the guy who's kind of proved that he can handle that load better. All right, I ha- uh, I had a tough uh, tough time with this one because every report, every tweet says like you know these guys are basically sharing first team snaps right now. So I had a hard time picking who who to make this buy or sell about. But let's just go with this. Finney is ahead of Posich for the starting center job. Kevin, uh, I'm gonna go with. Yes, and that's because I staff, I'm going to buy that Finney's ahead um, because I feel like the coaching staff has the feeling that Bosich has had a few years to pick up that job, and mm-hmm. so they would want to see him come in and take it right away. And the fact that he hasn't, and that when Finney's healthy, he seems to be taking the bulk of the first team's snaps, um, I'm going to go with Finney being ahead, yes. Yeah, they they basically like it seems like split 50-50 down the middle right now. There's like I don't see a strong indicator as to who's ahead, so I had to kind of guess who I thought was ahead. Eric, what do you think? Finney's ahead of Posich? I am selling this. All right, I love I it. I talked to my boy, my best friend, the man that I met on that Seahawks meet and greet, Ethan Posich. I got his little waiter thing and I have his name tag. Kobe <laughs> being Bryant, Ethan Posich, trust me. Stephen A. Smith, uh, impersonations aside, uh, this is this is that's what you're calling that. No, yeah, I thought I was. Come on, come on, that was really great. Kevin knows what I'm talking about. Ethan Postage has this job. It's his job Don't to bring lose. Into this. <laughs> Ethan Postage has this job. Uh, if you read anything else on this, you'll see that everyone is splitting time on the offensive line, except for Ethan Postage is taking 100 percent of his snaps at center. I believe he will be our starting center for the year. Lock it up. Okay, my thing for Posich's is that Pete did say in this that that we're giving him a chance to play his natural position and he's looked really good at center. I think that's an indicator that they they recognize that they made a mistake starting this guy out at tackle and then trying him at guard and trying center that they probably should have tried to trade Brit or do something with that earlier and it just kind of fumbled at the goal line there but that's okay they're gonna get the get it right this year and then ethan postage will leave for like an eight million dollar contract somewhere else next year so i think i'm gonna i'm selling that but uh because i like postage quite a bit but i'm sad already that he's gonna get paid by someone else for one good year as a seahawk uh <laughs> buying or selling here we go last one you ready this is the last offensive line one mm-hmm. eu potty if not injured will be the left guard starter for the first four weeks so you can't say oh you potty will get hurt that's nope not allowed He's not hurt. Guaranteed. He's healthy for four weeks. He starts all the first four weeks. Eric, buy that or sell it. All right. So in the way you phrased it, this is this is going uh, off your little trick question. As a teacher, you I know you're a teacher, and I know that you administer tests and quizzes. So I am listening to your question, Mr. Santo. And I mean, I, I saw the I saw the trap door that everyone was going to try to take, which yes. is that like, oh, your potty's going to get hurt, so no, I sell it. I I took that. I'm taking that trap door off the table. You can't not a, <laughs> not allowed. You cannot escape by by saying that he's going to get hurt. He's healthy. He's 100 percent healthy and ready to go. Does he start the first four weeks or not? Well, we can't see you, so I appreciate your winks right now with him being 100 percent healthy. But he's, I will say he this: is 100 percent healthy. <laughs> I will buy this. Simply because if he is healthy, which he is 100%, everyone, then Pete is going to go with the veteran. 
that they've had on this roster before for roster synergy, uh, a corporate term I like to use uh, just to make you laugh. So, yeah, I, I will buy this. All right, Ke- Kevin, buying okay. or selling? So uh, I like to point out this time that we have a week six buy. Okay. And <laughs> I think that that is important uh, for factoring this in. I do think that, you know, for number one, you can't replace a pro bowler. <sighs> See, now, did, now we, this we, is we the did. class clown, Actually, Mr. Here's, here's the thing. We replaced a pro bowler last year. When when we when we lost Pro Bowl offensive guard, uh, who's the guy that went to Arizona? Jr. Sweezy. Jr. Sweezy. Yeah, look how poorly Bowl. that went. We had horrible guard play last year. No way. We we replaced him with Pro Bowler Mike Yupati. <laughs> what we right. so then what I'm what hearing we is we need to replace him with Pro Bowler uh, Beefy Boy Haynes. Mm. Okay, here's the thing about Haynes is, is he's been hurt already this training camp, and he's been hurt a lot and i'm just afraid that like he's not getting enough time to win that job yeah that i feel sense? like iapati's gonna start the season as the starting guard and then i think he's gonna get wally pipped mm-hmm. uh upati's gonna get injured or he's gonna have like a nagging thing he won't get injured and uh haynes is going to end up taking the job at some point i already but I think said it's it. going to be mike upati's job to lose yeah i agree i think mike upati starts as long as he's healthy Pro Bowl until, or mike until at least like mid-season because Haynes just needs to get the snaps in to, to steal that job. And right now he's just not getting the work. Um, all right, last one. You ready? Uh, oh, and then I have a bonus story, of course. Uh, Will Disley is back. Seahawks tight end Will Disley said it felt like Christmas morning to put on pads Monday for the first time since he tore his Achilles in October. Will Disley has made his second miraculous recovery from injury. Now he's excited to join a Seahawks offense that could be special and creative. Finally, Will Disley doing some long snaps during special teams. Looks like he's your backup snapper. <laughs> I don't know why. Will Disley played also. Will Disley played center. I saw that when I was watching the live stream. He played some center on the offensive line. So sure. apparently he's our he's our third string center as well. They're going uh, full CJ Pro size with them. I see. All right, <laughs> buying or selling? Will Disley starts over Greg Olson in Week One. Kevin, uh, Mister Everything, Will Disley. Uh, they have already said that they're going to bring him back slowly and cautiously. So I think that uh, Greg Olson is going to be the named week one starter. Um, he's the guy who's going to get to run out of the tunnel to music, but no applause because there won't be any fans. Um, but I think that Will Disley is going to be part of a heavy timeshare and a okay. lot of two tight end looks. Let me ask this question in a different way to you, Kevin. Will Disley outsnaps Greg Olson in week one? Oh, here, jerk. Um, I I had to make you work for it. <laughs> I'm going beware, to say, Kevin. You'll be saying that we'll be punting the ball a lot. Uh, I'm going to say that uh, Greg Olson will have more snaps on the field than Will Disley in Week One. But All I right. feel like if Will Disley can stay healthy, that's going to change as the season goes along. This is a transitional year because Will Disley was just too much of a force when he was actually able to be out there. Uh, the dude was basically our number three receiver last year until he died. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Eric, uh, I'll give you the original question. Will Disley is your week one starter? Uh, no, that's a sell. Uh, you did not buy your brand new Toyota Tacoma to watch him go to the announcer's booth early. Uh, it's Greg Olson all the time, as much as possible this year. Disley will be brought in slow. It'll be nice to have Disley shine for a couple games. If he plays all season... I could see maybe four games where he's just the star. 
but it's going to be Greg Olson's show. Uh, all right, you guys ready for the bonus? Uh, the bonus. Ooh, I round? love bonus rounds. Bonus to? round. Uh, Kamasa Varand. This happened like one hour <laughs> after our last podcast, and I'm so mad because this is um, this because is it's a meme. Why it's because it's so funny. It's such a, a story, but basic story. He tried to sneak a girl into the team room by putting her in like a Seahawks sweatshirt. And uh, <laughs> then he he got cut for that. Uh, it did not work. Um, so <laughs> uh, it didn't. They were able things. to they were able to catch the it says they were able to catch it on the security camera. Um, then. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I want to so, see it done like an episode of Cops. Like the security what, person. I don't know what the like, best tweet I saw. Up Pete. <laughs> I don't know what the best tweet I saw about it was, but I think it's um, Kamasa Varend out for season colon horny, <laughs> 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 which is just really funny. Um, all right. Uh, buying or selling. This guy had a chance to make the team anyway. Kevin. Uh, selling. I think I had a chance to make the practice squad and he managed to screw that up too. All right, Eric. Yeah, hundred percent sell. If anything, I feel bad for him. He's got to, he's got to face his family and say, "Hey, the possible only NFL chance I had, I blew." Yeah, he had a chance to, to really, uh, but like Shannon Sharp was disgusted that they cut him for this. It's like, dude, that's like, <laughs> it's they said don't bring anyone in because it's a global pandemic. Yes. and he did it anyway. Um, yeah, you're not going to respect think- the rules. It's a big deal. Yeah, what would Shannon Sharp's take have been if uh, a practice squad uh, potential cornerback gets Russell Wilson sick with the COVID because he decides to sneak in some bar hookup? Like, that's not good. All those years in practice trying to make it to the NFL, the sacrifices his family manager gone in the blink of a... All right, never mind. Uh, (laughs) So, all right. Uh, that's, that's it. Those are my, uh, my, my five big storylines. Is there anything you guys have been, uh, it's been on your mind or do you think, uh, we, we hit it, hit it right there. I think we got it. I like those camp battles early on. Pretty exciting. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've just been kind of drooling over wide receiver. Uh, like there was a, a piece that came out on the website that just highlighted the point. Tyler Lockett is the slowest of our top three receivers now. Yeah, uh, if you go by uh, if you go by forty time at the combine, that's dumb. And a lot of people have been talking up uh, how well that uh, new slot receiver from Dorsett. the Patriots, Philip Dorsett, has looked at, especially running routes. That yep. his route his route work is a lot better than people expected. And I I, I already said I think that guy's a perfect fit for this. What the Seahawks want to do, uh, put him in the slot and let him just destroy people and Russ chuck it deep to him. I'm so into that. Um, yeah, it's just, it's been a, I'll be honest. I'm really excited about this team. Cause I think the defense you built, they built this defense that plays from the back, right? That, that, uh, it covers really well and you can't really scheme that much to get better coverage, right? There's going to be gaps in your coverage unless your athletes are just awesome on the back end. You can kind of scheme for pass rush and the Seahawks are really going to put that to the test this year since Puna Ford, uh, seems to be dinged up. Christmas isn't getting any snaps and P has been very complimentary about Brian Monet. I tried to do a defensive line buying or selling, but I couldn't think of anything that you guys wouldn't sell immediately. 
I was like, LJ Collier will be good. They'll sell that. Uh, this defensive line will generate X number of sacks. I was like, the number I pick is going to have to be comically low to get any action on on buying. So it's it's a little worrying. What? I'm buying Benson Mayo having a year. See, another thing that is that there's a lot of training camp stories about Bruce Irvin looking good. Have you heard of these ones, Kevin? I have, and I think um, one nice thing is I think Bruce Irvin's game translates really well to Shaquem Griffin. And so if nothing else, I think this is going to be a really good push for Shaquem Griffin to be able to kind of realize his potential in that role. Shaquem, who has been doing most of his work with the pass rush team. uh, As it should be. Which is what he should be. If you go back and watch uh, Central Florida versus Auburn, uh, the the bowl game, and just tell me that Shaquem Griffin isn't isn't a potentially premier pass rusher. And if you do, I, I just want to know what you watched that I didn't, because he he was so disruptive in that game against a team that had a, apparently Jared Sidham is an NFL uh, quality quarterback. Though apparently he threw an interception to three different defensive backs in practice yesterday. So sure, yeah, got to start slow. Got to got to start somewhere, man. He had to work uh, out that secondary. Real team player. Do you hear about Danny Etling? Uh, the we signed him. Yeah. Do you know why we signed him? Uh, play wide receiver. No, no. He had, he's our fourth quarter. <laughs> he's our fourth quarterback right now. But did you know he was the quarterback of C- the Seahawks' first two opponents this season? Oh. I really think they I brought love him, that story. That's so dumb. I really think they brought him in as like a, a secret agent. Like, hey, here's a hundred grand. Tell us exactly what's going to happen these first two weeks. Uh, I love that if that's true. There's, there's no way he's anything better than practice squad. But uh, but he's play, played for the Patriots and he played for the Falcons. So and he, he looks for, ridiculously wholesome. Yes. He's also really old for like, he's already almost 27. So like, I just don't think he's ever... He's not making the, the team or whatever. Um, he could make a practice squad, though. I'd be into it. All right. Anything else you guys want? I uh, want you before we get to uh, Money Zone here. Uh, no. One thing right. has been confirmed. Week one will be played in an empty stadium, uh, Atlanta and Seattle. That has been for confirmed. Our, for us. Uh, yeah. Some, some stadiums are saying that they'll have yeah. like 20% capacity. Some are saying uh, 30%. Uh, I think Kansas City and Dallas are, the, are two that are confirmed to have. They're going to put people in the stands. Uh, whatever, Do, I'm not. I'm not gonna stop uh, people from doing s- stupid things. It's just if, um, you know, as long as they're not in, you know, interact with players. Like leave the first three rows empty so, so that they're far away from the players. Unless they're looking forward to Dallas having to rename it Rona Memorial Stadium. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't possibly know. too soon. It's uh, I like them too. It says like they can uh. They, they have to wear masks except for when they're eating or drinking. So you just like buy a nachos at the beginning of the game. And anytime you be like, I'm eating, it's like, it's like, so stu- <laughs> it's such a, it's such a dumb arbitrary thing. It's like, you can't require if you can't force people to do stuff. We've already seen that without making a like harder and faster rules. You know um, why, you know why the Eagles wouldn't release that statement? Cause that implies their fans wouldn't be drinking at some point in time. <laughs> Let's see. Boom. Done. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you want to support the CXNS podcast, there are many ways to do so. The best way, head over to Seahawks or patreon.com slash Seahawksness. And for as little as $1.24 a month, check out Seahawksness Fantasy. Also, starting next week, our betting picks will be there. Uh, thank you to the new August Patreons, Emmanuel and Andy. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Uh, appreciate it. And all the Seahawksness Patreons uh, Lucas, Timothy, Ryan, James, Brett, Carrie, Tom, Michael, Brandon, Nick, 
Emmanuel, Jay, Bob, Richard, Kieran, Mike, Flockmas, Keith, and Michelle. Also, Patreons, keep an eye out in the Discord. There will be a Seahawks Nest Fantasy League and also a Seahawks Nest Mask Giveaway. So keep an eye out for those two things in the Discord. They will All the information will be in there. Uh, that's Seahawks Nest Fantasy Drafts and Seahawks Nest Mask Giveaway. Yeah, big uh, shouts to Flocktimus for uh, spearheading that. Yeah, Flocktimus Keith, uh, he was like, I'm going to get some masks. And I was like, I'm going to buy four and give them away on the Discord to the Patreon. So I'm going to think I'm going to give away like one a week. So I'll give you guys time to get in the Discord. But uh, I love that. You know, I think that's so awesome. Soon, sooner you get in, the sooner you can try to win a mask. All right. Uh, movie Club. This week we are doing a movie. If you guessed it from the, from the open, you know we're doing Venom. Uh, all right. So <laughs> Venom <laughs> is... Uh, what, here's what it's I'll say about Venom. for losers. Venom is a movie that understands exactly what it is. Um, I gave it one and a half stars. I think that's probably a little harsh, but also fair because it's undeniably a bad movie, but it is also undeniably an entertaining movie. They knew exactly what they're going to do. They're making a action comedy for edgelords and they really <laughs> executed on that concept to the fullest this movie was made for 14 year old boys uh to have fun and it and i mean and people who are 14 year old boys in heart like me (laughs) so 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 i i I gave it one and a half but i it was it's a very enjoyable one and a half it's a recommendable one and a half it's like uh it's like i don't know that's the only way i can explain this uh so kevin what did you just watch this movie for the first oh no for the second time right it was a rewatch uh, it's the second or third yeah yeah. So, what did you think on on rewatch? What what what, did, what stuck out to you? Okay. So, um, I think as we all know, uh, one of the general consensus things among Seahawks Nest hosts is we love it when a dude does a thing, and Tom Hardy is doing a thing in this movie. Like he's doing a thing big time. Um, there's a lot of improv. There's all these ridiculous scenes. Um, he does so, the Venom voice too, and yeah. like that voice is ridiculous. So, Harold, let me tell you something about doing a thing. So he they did that scene in the restaurant and they're like, you're going to do all this crazy stuff. Right. And he saw the lobster tank and he was like, I'm getting in that lobster tank. And they were like, no, Tom, you're not getting in that lobster tank. And he goes, I'm getting in that lobster tank. Like that was like an <laughs> argument he had with the director and the producers and stuff. And he's like, I'm getting in the lobster. And I'm going to be honest with you. Him in that lobster tank is one of the best parts of the movie. It, it's a I'm, perfect end of that scene. It's, it's so stupid, and I'm laughing so hard when it's happening. It's just like, oh, my God, this is unbelievably dumb. I cannot believe that they did this. It's so funny. Uh, and it's just like it captures the right tone uh, for, for that movie. Uh, the violence is so comical in this movie yes. that, like, it's so over the top that it makes it stupid, which is, like, good. Because if it was, if it was like, too serious, the, the violence, I think, like, it wouldn't match the tone of the rest of the movie. But it's, like, comically over the top. Do you think if it uh, went R, it would have been a better movie? I don't know if like a bunch of blood splattering everywhere. Would have yeah, been a movie. I, don't I don't think it would. It would have lost its fun value, and that's really what Venom has. Oh, Michelle Williams' wig is so distracting in this movie. <laughs> okay, Eric. it is incredibly distracting. Eric, give me your, your first thoughts on, on this movie. Um, I <laughs> from the very beginning of the first trailer I saw it to, until now, it's like wow, they they really made this movie. They really made it. Um, I didn't want to see it. I did see it. And like you said, it's, it's not a good movie, but it's enjoyable. I think that is 99% on Tom Hardy. I love Tom Hardy. I think he's a great actor. 
in this movie, you can see moments where he shines through where um, before you see the full reveal of Venom, you're seeing him kind of battling the symbiote, uh, the, the thing that has attached itself to his body, the alien organism that is basically trying to call the shots in his life. And they're kind of arguing. Uh, that's all Tom Hardy, just kind of like acting schizophrenic, uh, doing doing the weird voice for Eddie Brock that he has, and then doing the Venom voice. Um, Tom Hardy makes this movie happen, and that's why it's so enjoyable. Um, they, I like how they intentionally kept it nonviolent with, you know, <laughs> Venom wants to like bite off people's heads or whatever, you know, eat their limbs. And he's like, no, you can't do that. You know, you gotta, you can't he does swallow people. a guy whole at one point or whatever though. Yes. Yeah, but he, there's a few heads. He does it wholesomely. Like after that, he's like, you gotta stop doing this. He does it wholesomely. <laughs> yeah. I also love the, uh, we will remove their heads from their bodies and then yeah. we make a high, pile of bodies and a pile of heads. Why would we even do that? Pile of heads, pile of bodies. Like it's this in like every scene where they argue with each other is the dumbest thing possible and incredible. What about the part when Michelle Williams gets the symbiote? Uh, yeah, that's the thing that happens. That part is so weird. Yep, I, it should not have. I was like, that part was uh, off-putting. To We've me. all wanted to see Michelle Williams action star. No, <laughs> no, we didn't. Oh, okay, this movie. They've been trying to make this. They were trying to make this movie since 1997. Uh, David S. Goyer wrote a script in 1997 that was like set to star Dolph Lundgren. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not joking. Who was the uh, Who was the, the next CGI script? Looks for? like 1997 too. Who was the uh, next person? Nathan? Project. I do not know who the 1997 second choice was. Uh, uh, it was. The, it was the after they realized Dolph Lundgren wasn't going to sell any tickets. It was Charlie Sheen, a uh, star of uh, the Academy yes. Award uh, nominated Men at Work. Um, and then Topher Grace uh, was in Spider Man Three, and they uh, they tried. They there was like plans for a spinoff there, but that then movie they sucked. the Spider Man Three <laughs> bombed, and they didn't. They were like, "Well, we can't. We don't want to go back to this well if it's bad." So then, and then uh, Gary Ross is making a Spider Man Four. Uh, they give him the old Venom script and say, "Hey, you want to like rewrite this and try to reboot it?" He tries but the endeavor gets off the ground. Then they make the amazing Spider-Man movies and those movies suck. So then they never get to Venom in those movies either. Finally, 2017, they get, they like, they realize that there's a market for uh, superhero movies that kind of subvert the normal formula of like heroic action, you know? So they like kind of bouncing off of Logan and Deadpool. They're like, okay, we can make, we can make like a, a real, like we can make Venom and they make just a Venom movie and it's actually, they don't worry about Spider-Man and how he's involved at all. Really. I liked uh Rizomed playing a hybrid of uh, Zuckerberg and uh, he's um, too good. He's too good for what they gave him there. That was, he, he is, but like he, he really like, they gave him nothing to work with. They gave him nothing to work with and he tried his best, but man, he, <laughs> they, they was hamstrung by like a really mediocre script. I yeah. feel like. But like it's he like pulls off the feel of the character really well, which is kind of weird. It's like he's delivering these really bad lines. Yeah. Uh, um, and then Reed Scott as Doctor Dan, um, who plays Michelle Williams' boyfriend, who is like awkwardly helpful towards uh, uh, Eddie Brock. Mm-hmm. Like that whole dynamic is just weird. Like Doctor Dan just seems like a really good guy. Yeah. It's an odd they, fit in the rest of the movie. That there's like. I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot of potential here for like for it to get better too, like to get actually good. Whereas I think, you know, I think this movie is poor. 
Like it's just that's it's it's not that good. I also think Tom Hardy and Michelle Williams had bad chemistry. Yeah, like, but I, I they even when they were flirting, I couldn't tell if they were arguing with each other or if they were flirting. Do you think that was the wig and how distracting it was, like you said, Kevin? Because that was <laughs> there's something I don't I don't dislike Michelle Williams. I think she's a great actor. I just in this movie it was like, why are you here? I just think it was a poor fit between the two. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, this like it's one of those things where it's like fans obviously like it more than people who are serious about reviewing movies because for me like i i kind of look at whether i'm entertained by a movie and whether i think a movie is good somewhat separately right and while i think this movie is entertaining it's not really good so i have trouble like punching it over like a two out of five but some people might just say like hey i had i had fun when i was watching it so like you know, a minus or whatever. Right. That, and I think that's a completely fair way to review movies. Um, but it's just, this movie has like some real awkward <laughs> stuff. And then like the symbiote and Brock, like I felt like they hooked up at one point in this movie and I didn't like that. And, <laughs> and like, uh, I, I felt like, um, it just, it was weird. There's some weird it's stuff weird in movie. this movie and it's almost two hours long. It shouldn't, it really shouldn't be, they should have figured out a way to to make this movie 20 minutes shorter because it's like too goofy and like weird to be. Yeah, it should be about 100 minutes or less to be like this long. Um, but, but I the can't tight w- 90s a lost art. To be honest, I am. It is really. But I'm excited about like the Sony pictures, like Morbius and Let There Be Carnage and all this stuff that they're they're working on, because I think that there's a lot of potential there and if they hire the right directors and get good screenplays and stuff, I think that it could be really cool. Now I'm not sure about Daniel Espinosa. Let me just start with that as he's the director of the Morbius film. He made life, which is a movie I thought was like painfully average. So, so I'm a little worried that, that the, the Morbius movie also might be really average and I hate Jared Leto. <laughs> so that's, a, that's a bad sign too, but Woody Harrelson as carnage should be sweet. And that's a really cool credit singer. And Andy circus is a, a, is in charge of the movie so that's a thing. yeah andy circus is the director now they changed directors yeah and Andy circus is pretty solid so it could be really i'm, I'm excited I'm, I'm there's potential there for uh for let there be carnage so eric are you uh are you in on let there be carnage or are you out i mean i'm not i'm not out on anything the superhero movies like being a growing up as like a comic book nerd i'm always into seeing these things like the morbius movie why are you making this jared leto's in it he was terrible as the Joker. He's a really good actor. This is in the Spider-Man universe. I'll watch it. Like, am I going to see it in theaters? No. If they released it right now, I'm so desperate for a new movie. Yeah, I'd buy it. 20 bucks? <laughs> sure. Uh, that, But that's you're not going to get that when you release it in theaters, so you, you better think about that. I think that's yeah. a real thing people need to... The, the writer, studios need to think about. The writer and executive producer of this. Venom and Venom Let There Be Carnage also wrote uh, Saving Mr. Banks and Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> and is in charge Whoa. of the is charge of writing the Cruella DeVille movie. I mean it's like <laughs> what a gamut of of movies there. You've got Well the thing about the, the Cruella DeVille Kevin movie movie Kevin is it has six writers. Yeah. Uh, but just like the Venom movie had three. Well the the second Venom movie doesn't. It's I know Kelly, I saw that. Kelly Marcel solo baby let's go. Uh so I I'm expecting more like improv goofiness and the end product to be 
somewhat mediocre. That's that's my expectation for the Venom Let There Be Carnage movie. But like I said, there's upside potential. A lot of good actors involved. Tom Hardy uh, should get a writing credit for all the improv he does on these movies. I cannot believe they, dude, getting in that lobster tank is just a it's a goat move it's such so awesome <laughs> such a power move and it's so funny i wonder if he was uh, trying to get fired because he said it like he didn't expect the movie to be what it was when he signed on he thought it would be yeah. a lot more cerebral no i, I thought it was the other way i thought ruben fleischer wanted it to be more cerebral and he wanted it to be more like like yeah, he wanted it to be more silly. like goofy. i maybe as he got it but it is my understanding that tom hardy got on set i've read this article like I, like when the movie released that he was like okay so i'm in this hollywood like nonsense movie because if you look at it it's like unlike I mean, anything if, he's done i mean he decided to get in that lobster tank so i'm pretty sure he knew what he was doing oh yeah i'm saying <laughs> i think he just he just steered into it 100 like more than 100 percent. he was just like okay this is what you want here we go i also say they are changing directors which means like again I, i'm wondering if the director kind of struggle with the uh the the way that the movie went yeah the script like the script is not strong i'm just gonna say that straight up the script <laughs> no, is not the script, the script is the weakness of the, the script movie. is the wor- is the worst part of the movie and so like i think that everyone involved from hardy fleischer everyone involved struggled with the script and like everything else is dragging the movie up the acting is good the direction is pretty good the the sound uh like the the score is awesome like the really good score work and like something that I don't think a lot of people think about is this music in this movie is really solid. It's the script that's just dragging everything else down. And it's like, they picked a good story arc planet of the symbiotes. Like that's a good venom story arc to kind of go off of. Right. But without Spider-Man in the movie, like you really need to tighten up that script and make it, make it make sense. Right. Well, and they're they, doing what they did with a lot of these other movies and that they're going with an, a low key first villain because they don't they realize you don't need to hammer the best villain first. Uh, and by what was that's it? what Iron Man did, right? Iron yeah. Man pick, picked a yep. really Iron Man one just made the movie about it's an Iron Man movie, not a villain movie. Yeah, every every Spider-Man movie, those those three Spider-Man movies, those are Spider-Man villain movies that have Spider-Man in them. Uh, they're great, though. They're really good. But no, not Spider-Man three. Or, <laughs> Spider-Man one and two are really good, but they, but they're, it's a green goblin movie and a Dr. Octopus movie that have Spider-Man in them. And he's a secondary character, but it's really about the villains. Sorry. I was thinking homecoming and far from home. Oh yeah. Keaton, yeah. Keaton kills it. In I homecoming, think in the, and I felt like a uh, Mysterio was good. In far from home. Yeah. The newer movies I think are villain movies. The first ones, I don't know. I think there's a equal amount. There's a, there's a ton of Spider-Man in those movies. Maybe even too much of the, uh, Tobey Maguire ones. But all right. Anything else you guys want to say about Venom or Spider-Man or no, we've gone on way too long about a movie that was like, all right. All right. For <laughs> Eric, for Kevin, we will see you guys next week. Go Hawks. We are both losers. Not me.